So Father, right now, in authority in the name of Jesus, we execute the authority that you give us. We execute it against the kingdom of darkness. And we bind every work of the devil. We take authority over every distraction in the name of Jesus. Any attitude, whatever it might be, that would try to hinder the penetration of your word today, we take authority over it in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we declare the release of the kingdom of God that rules over all. We declare the authority of the blood of the Lord Jesus. We declare the power of the Spirit of God. We declare the word of God that upholds all things. And we declare right now in the name of Jesus that the Spirit, the word, and the blood rule the atmosphere so that your purpose is accomplished and the word of God penetrates our hearts, our minds, our lives, and it accomplishes your purpose this day. Darkness is dispelled and truth comes to light. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God forevermore. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Now we've been talking about how to live in confidence continually. That means all the time. Irregardless of anything or anyone. Regardless of circumstances, situations, whatever it might be. There is provision by the sacrifice of Christ for you and I to live in confidence continually having courage having boldness and having a confident expectation of the glory of God to be made manifest amen today I'm going to focus on the blood of Christ having this confidence continually because of the revelation and the impact of the truth of the blood of Christ and the way it is able to affect our conscience and our thinking. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 says, Therefore, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, I'm going to put it this way, by a new and a life-giving way, which he has consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, his flesh. There is a boldness and a courage and a confidence that we have by virtue of the blood of the Lord Jesus to even access the holiest of holies. Ephesians chapter 3, reading from verse 9. The Spirit of God by the pen of the Apostle Paul writes that the need to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. And today I want us to see what is the fellowship of the blood of Christ to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church which is the body of the Lord Jesus Christ that fill it all in all. The body of the Lord Jesus Christ that has the name of Jesus as their inheritance. The name above every name at which every knee bows. The name that rules everything that exists and that rules everywhere. The name of Jesus. 
that might be made known by the church, the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which God accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. The eternal purpose. God is eternal. Which is to say he, God is outside of time. God is not, does not have the limitations of time. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is in yesterday, he is in today, and he's in tomorrow. He is yesterday, he is today, he is tomorrow. God is eternal. And this eternal God, from before the foundation of the world, before the beginning of ages, had ordained that believers should, that all men should come to an understanding of the fellowship of the mystery for the, to the intent that his wisdom might be revealed through the church to the principalities and powers according to what he had already accomplished in his eternal purpose in Christ Watch this now. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus, in accordance with the terms of the eternal timeless purpose, which God has already realized and carried out in effect in the person of Jesus Christ before the world began. It's going to say in Revelation 13, verse 8, that Jesus is the Lamb of God that was slain from before the foundation of the world. It's going to say that you and I have been chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. We are eternal beings, and God is eternal. So all of these things were accomplished <laughs> even before the foundation of the world. It says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 3 that the works of God were finished before the foundation of the world. How could that make any sense whatsoever? Except when you understand that God is eternal. And yesterday, today, tomorrow, it's all the same to him. Amen? So according to that eternal purpose which he had accomplished in Christ Jesus, and in Christ, verse 12, in whom we now have boldness and access with confidence to the faith of him. We have boldness and access with confidence. Boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Christ to God the Father, to devils and demons and principalities and powers, to people, to situations and circumstances, and in fact, even to all creation. You see, by the death of Jesus and his burial, everything that was against us, that could stop us, that could be a hindrance, all of it, Jesus put an end to by his death. And by his resurrection, everything that we need for life and godliness has been provided. So therefore, by the faith of Christ, we have boldness and access with confidence, both to the Father, principalities, powers, people, situations, no matter what it might be, we've got such total access. And this access is underlined by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Boldness and access into the holiest by the blood of Christ. Now, remember... If we look at the book of Hebrews and another place in Psalms, it says, What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you would visit him? You made him a little lower than angels. And then it goes on to say that you put him over all the works of your hands. You made all the works of your hands, Father, subject to him. Think about that. And I'm saying this so that we can recognize what access we are talking about. How, how great this access is, and it is by the faith of Christ. What do you mean the faith of Christ? I mean the faith that Jesus has. Amen? You think Jesus got a lot of faith? <laughs> by the faith 
of Christ, which is a gift for us actually, the faith that Jesus has, the confidence that Jesus has in his own sacrifice. Some time ago, and I've shared this with you, where the Lord showed me that faith is confidence in the sacrifice. Because you see, it says in 1 John 5, 4, this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And then it says in, in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, thanks be to God which gave us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ by virtue of what Jesus has done, which means by the sacrifice. So we have victory through the sacrifice, and we have faith is the victory. Combine it together, and you will see that faith, therefore, is having confidence in the sacrifice. Well, Jesus has confidence in his sacrifice. Amen? So Jesus' faith is connected to this confidence that he has in his sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10, reading from verse 12 says, But this man, that's Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, he sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, expecting till his enemies are made his footstool. Why? Verse 14, because by that one offering, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. So because of that sacrifice, Jesus has this great confidence. Amen? He has this faith that is based on the confidence of his very own sacrifice. But now you see, the blood of Christ, now hear me now, the blood of Christ is the essence and it is the foundation of every aspect of the sacrifice. All the way through from death, burial, resurrection, ascension, his shed blood, his name, his life, his promises. The blood is the thread. The blood is what knits it all together. The blood of Christ is the essence of it all. What he finished in his death and in his burial has meaning because of the blood. What, he, what, is, what is the case now? What we have now, what now is in resurrection and in ascension and in his life and in his promises, what is now because of the, that aspect of his sacrifice is so because of the blood. The blood speaks. Amen? The authority of the name of Jesus that is ours by virtue of resurrection, the authority of that name, the power that is in that name is because he was obedient unto death. That means he shed his blood, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. So the, the name, the power in the name is because of the blood. Resurrection is because of the blood. Ascension is because of the blood. The, the life of Christ that is in us, the hope of glory, is all because of the blood. The death and the burial is because of the blood. Say the blood. Amen. Amen. So Jesus' faith, Jesus has confidence in the blood. So the faith of Christ is his confidence in the sacrifice, but we could say without losing anything, that the faith of Christ is the confidence that Jesus has in his own shed blood. There's power and authority in the blood. Today in this message, the whole objective is, 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 to, is, to, is for you to get a revelation of the power, of the authority of the blood, of, of the life of the blood. To the point that it would so affect your conscience, it would so affect your believing that, that th th this blood would speak within you. This blood would create such faith, such confidence that you would endeavor to be in that place where you are walking in the blood, where that blood speaks, where that blood is in your conscience, where that blood is in your mouth, where you, as Jesus said, Except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't really have my life. Where you will so ingest and so digest and so have fellowship and a oneness with that blood that you will, that that will take over your consciousness and you'll be able to walk continually in confidence. 
because of the revelation and the truth and the power and the authority of the blood of Christ. Are you with me? Pray right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, open up our eyes. Help us to get the revelation of the power and authority. And this word, Ephesus, I don't know what it's called, but, the, but just, just the life and the power and, 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 and the, the voice and the, the, the strength and the grace that flows out of this blood. Father, give us that revelation in the name of Jesus. This confidence in the blood must become an absolute in our lives, an absolute anchorage in our life. So, first of all, let's, 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 let's have a brief look first at the history of creation. Amen? Genesis chapter 1. Glory to God. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Stop right there. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, we know in God there is no darkness. There is only light. In God there is only perfection and holiness. There is no way God is going to create a heaven and an earth and it's going to be chaos and a mess. I believe it was absolutely beautiful and it had such divine order and it was, it was just brilliant. So in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. All right? Now let's turn to Ezekiel 28. Because it's going to go on to say in verse 2 how the earth was without form and void. But God didn't create it without, without form and void and chaotic. He created the heaven and the earth and it was wonderful. So let's find out a little bit what happened that caused the chaos we're going to see in verse 2. Ezekiel chapter 28. Ezekiel chapter 28. Now while you're turning there, I'm just going to remind you that in Isaiah chapter 14, don't turn there, there is some information about how the, how the devil was created and his beauty and how he was, uh, uh, and his name was Lucifer and everything else, but because he got all puffed up, he was kicked out, amen, of heaven. All right. Ezekiel 28, let's just read from verse 14, and I'll make a few comments on the way. Talking about the devil, you were the anointed cherub who covers I establish you, you were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways. And this is talking about the devil, at that time Lucifer. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. Here was the devil. I mean, he was good looking. He was sharp. In fact, no, you know what? To do, to do this justice, let me back up a little bit. Let's back up. Let's pick it up in verse 12. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection. There is no human being. That's not, no, that's not a human being. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. That's talking about the devil. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone, every precious stone was your covering. Or your clothing, the sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald, with gold. That was his clothing. The workmanship of your timbers and pipes was prepared for you in the day that you were created. Within the devil, they were like these musical instruments. When you see the devil walking through, I mean, he was so beautiful. With all of this jewelry that he was, that was his clothing. And on the inside of him, there were these musical instruments. I mean, he's coming along, man. He was making such a sweet melody. This is what he was like. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. He was so close to God. 
You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. But then what happened? Iniquity was found in him. That was the birth of the sin nature. The sin nature didn't start with Adam. It started with the devil. Amen? And by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. Remember Jesus said in Luke 10 verse 18, I beheld Satan as lightning fall into the ground. So he was kicked out. He was kicked out of heaven with his proudful self. And with that self-seeking sin nature that was born on the inside of him. So he was cast down into the earth. This same earth that and God had created it and it was so wonderful. And so in Genesis 1 verse 2 says, The earth was without form and void. It was like an empty waste. Darkness was upon the face of the great deep. It was a chaotic, so to speak. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the water. Then God said. What am I saying? So as we go to verse 2 in Genesis 1, the earth was now without form, and it was chaotic, and the Spirit of God was moving over the face of the waters and said, let there be light, and then creation as we know it began. Amen? So now God created, and Adam is going to come later. So God created the stars, and he created various things. Amen? But here is something interesting. Later on, it's going to tell you what God is going to tell Adam to go subdue the earth. Subdue what? Replenish. Replenish what and why? In Romans chapter 8 and verse, Romans 8 verse 19, it says that they're talking about creation, that are waiting for the earnest, expect, the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Why? Before the creation was subject to futility. Old King James says vanity. Not willingly. It didn't want it that way. But because of him who subjected it in hope. When the devil fell and all of these things happened and, and, and so on, okay, first of all, I mean, God created all that he created. The creation itself was still, it was in this place of futility, vanity, aimless, purposeless, not even knowing why they existed, so to speak. But they were waiting for man, the sons of God, to come and give them definition. Let them know why they're here. Amen? All right? Okay, stay with me now. Now let's go back to Genesis. <laughs> All right? So now in Genesis, now, so then eventually God made Adam. God made Adam, and here's all this stuff around. Birds, bees, whatever else. And they, they almost don't know what's going on. They are, they, they, are with, uh, they are waiting for some direction. But then God created Adam, and then it says, and verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In his own image, he created them. They were an offspring of God. Now, let me in, in, inject this here. Had Adam gone on to eat from the tree of life, he would have also gotten the nature. All right? He's going to eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You see, Jesus is going to have the nature of God. You and I, we're born again. We, that's why we are a new creation. We are a new species. I'm telling you, we didn't exist before. We are really a new species. You know, sometimes we just, our born again experience, or we're born the spirit of God and the word, but we don't recognize that who we are never existed before Jesus was raised up from the dead. Ha, huh, man. <laughs> anyway. So God created him after his own image. So he was the son of God in that sense. 
in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, empowered them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill up the earth, and subdue it. Subdue it. There were some things needed subduing. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I've given you, etc., 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 etc. Okay. So what happened now? Adam, let's flip to Genesis 2 and verse 9. Adam, having been made in the image of God, God gave Adam his wisdom. God gave Adam a, 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 a divine intelligence. And with that wisdom and intelligence, look what happened in Genesis 2 verse 9. Out of the ground the Lord made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and, 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 and good for food. That's what I'm looking for. Anyway, let me see. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm, I missed it here. Sorry. What I'm looking for is... What I'm looking for, 9, 20, let's see, 20. All right, anyway, so God created all of the birds, all these trees and everything else and a number of other things. Drop down to verse 20. Verse 19. And out of the ground the Lord formed every beast of the field, every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what Adam was going to call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, each living creature, each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and every beast of the field, and so on. What is the point here? Adam had the wisdom and the intelligence to name all the animals, to name them all. And by naming them, literally give them definition, give them purpose, and so on and so forth. Amen? Now the fall is going to mess some things up. Are you with me? Are you, are you with me? All right, fine. But then you know the story. Back to Genesis 2 verse 9. When God caused, you know, the tree in the middle of the garden, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and God, told Ad, and God told them not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because the day they eat of it, they shall die. All right? The day they eat from it, God knew they were going to eat from it. Remember, God is eternal. He knew everything. The, Past, present, future, it's all the same for him. Well, you know what happened? Adam disobeyed God and Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, what happened when Adam ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Adam literally, you see, just to simplify it, the tree of life was literally the nature of God. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the nature, was the satanic sin nature of the devil. Are you with me? So when he ate from the tree of the, uh, of the knowledge of good and evil, he literally ingested the devil's nature. He, that's what actually happened. He actually ingested that nature, that sin nature that is from the devil. That is the reason why Jesus is going to say in John 8, verse 44 to the Pharisees and stuff, that ye are of your father, the devil. That is the reason why Jesus is going to say, you've got to be born again. Every human being was born in that, in that, in that nature of sin. Sorry, I just, I'm looking for a piece of paper here. Wait, I wrote something out that I wanted to kind of, it is, oh, thank you. All right. So here's what happened. When Adam ate from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he ingested some of Satan's, Satan's nature. He also ingested some of Satan's knowledge and took on the enemy's nature, which is what? Self-seeking, selfishness, self-will. Now, I don't want to spend much time on this, but even on this very issue is where we have a problem. Because you see, the church world believes somehow that we have choice. That we're supposed to have a choice. Choice did not, choice came from the knowledge, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Not from the tree of life. God's will for Adam was simply obedience 
and with that obedience, function in authority. But the will of the devil was bringing, was bringing him to this place where he have choice, self-direction. This was appealing to Eve. God knows that the moment you eat of this, you're going to be able to know good and evil. You're going to be able to make your own choices. You can, uh, and that was desirable to her. You'll be able to, to be your own God, make your own decisions. <laughs> be your own head. Amen? That can give us a glimpse as to what God is calling us to when he calls the believers to obedience. You see, man, before he is born again, man in his fallen state, before he's born again, he is self-willed, he is a free agent, <laughs> and he's really living without that sense of obedience to God. That ought to tell you what, what, what is required of us to not be self-willed, not be free agents, right? And not, uh, and not and living with an absolute sense and devotion to obedience, in other words, as if there is no I. Obedience, the middle of obedience is die. The middle of die is I. Amen? Now, new creation man that is born again, this new species that is going to come into being after resurrection is an obedient son to the glory of God. Are you with me? All right, praise the Lord. So, but when Adam ingested this demonic, sinful nature, what happened? Genesis 3, verse 22. The Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now, lest he put out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever, Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to till the ground from which he was taken. And so he drove him out. He drove the man out and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden of Eden and a flaming sword which turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. What's that about? God was saying, let's get him out of here. We cannot have him go eat from that tree. And let's put a cherubim to guard that tree to make sure he doesn't go and eat there. Why? He had gotten this satanic fallen nature. Now, if he was to go and eat from the tree of life, you would be taking the nature of God, combining it with the nature of the devil. That's some kind of mutation. That's not acceptable. In fact, again, in the church world today, there is a misunderstanding that somehow we, have, we, have, we are born again, we have the seed of God in us, we have the nature of God, but then we have this demonic, we have this satanic nature, and we have these two natures fighting. That's not true. Romans 6 verse 6 says, knowing this, that the old man is crucified, that old nature is dead, it was buried, it's gotten rid of. Amen. But it's important for us to understand that. Amen. So Adam, when Adam fell, kicked out of the garden and everything else, he was under Satan's rule and under the rule of the kingdom of darkness. And the devil, and in, in the process, all the authority that he had, he turned it over to the devil. So now, instead of Adam running the show on the earth, what happened? The devil became the god of this world. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. And not only that, this man that God had created for himself that was going to be the head of the entire human race that were going to be in fellowship with God, God had lost his man. Are you with me? So God said, what do you think? Remember, God is eternal. God knew this was going to happen. Jesus was slain from the foundation of the world. God didn't have to come up with some plan B. God, plan B. God knew what he was going to do. And the, the word of God says in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, God says the seed of the woman is going to bruise the head of the serpent. There is going uh, uh, to be a child that's going to be born from a woman who we know to be Mary. And, and when that child is born, that child will be the son of man. He's going to get a body. And, but then the son of God, who is God, is going to be the son of God and the son of man combined together. And, that, and, and, this, and this, the seed of that embryo is not going to be coming from a human sperm. It's going to come from God. 
Are you with me? And, and then God, God says, and I'm, I'm, I'm fast forwarding quickly because I see it's an easy opportunity for me to do it here. You see, the wages of that sin nature is what? Death. There's going to have to be a death if we're going to fix this. And God recognized and God had a plan from before the foundation of the world that Jesus was going to be the Lamb of God without spot and without blemish. And Jesus, God created a body for him in which he could put in the blood. And so when the blood is poured out, that blood will be the atonement. That blood is what is going to be used to break, to take that sin nature out of the human race and get his man back and get the human race back. All right? Okay. So it was important for Jesus to have a body, a body you have prepared for me. Why? So that I'm here and I could do your will and I could be the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world and shed my blood and redeem mankind. And not only redeem mankind, but also take away from the devil that power that he had to bring separation between man and God. But Jesus, when he defeated hell, death, the grave, and the devil, the devil no longer has the power or the ability to separate us from God. Nothing will separate us from the love of God. Nothing, nothing, not height, not depth, or anything else created. Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews 2 verse 14, for as much as the children were partakers in flesh and blood, he likewise partook of the same. Why? So that he can taste death for every man, so that he can shed his blood, and as a result do what? By, 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 and as a result, destroy or paralyze him that had the power of the death, which is the devil, and deliver those who through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to this bondage. Are you with me? Now, that's just a quick little glimpse as to why the blood of Jesus was going to be necessary, because the problem was the sin nature. And for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy and undo the work of the devil. That devil that sinned from the very beginning. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, that was a quick fast forward, but anyway. Now let's rewind. <laughs> Amen? Praise the Lord. So God had lost this man. But bless God, God is eternal. And he, God had had it all figured out. Now here is what, here is what. Now, the devil did not know and he did not understand that there was going to be a new creation that was going to come into the earth. A new creation, a new species was going to come in. And that not only this, this new creation is going to have authority over him, and this new creation would not have that sin nature. The Son of Man was going to be born. So Jesus was going to be born. He was going to have that humanity, but also the divinity, go and redeem man and bring man back to God so that man will no longer have that sin nature in him. Now, it says in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 8 that had the devil known had the devil and demons known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. They would not have done it. And, and, and we're not going to get here today, but next week we're going to see how, in a way, the devil did what he did with such ignorance. He, had, he knew about some things, but there was some stuff he didn't know. Do you know? Let me, okay, let me fast forward again. Is that okay? Do you know? Right? He just really would not have. Because the truth of the matter is, the devil couldn't kill Jesus. How are you going to kill? You're going to kill God? <laughs> right? <laughs> you, 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 I mean, we're going to discuss some more about the blood of Jesus next week, okay? But that wasn't, that wasn't human blood. And this, the, the, the fact of the matter, you know what Jesus says? You know what Jesus said? No man take my life from me. You know what he was saying? No man can. Nobody could kill me. That's what he was saying. The only way I'm going to die, I'm going to have to lay it down. They thought they were, they were taught that they were doing this and that to Jesus. 
But what they didn't understand is what God was doing with Jesus. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm getting a, a lot of fast forward in here, and I need to do some rewinding. Anyway, hallelujah. The fact is, the wages of sin is death. So death was the only remedy to fix the sin separation from God once and for all. It was the only way. Now, why? Why the blood? If you were to check Leviticus 17 verse 11, it says the life of the flesh is what? Is in the blood. All right. So, let's follow the history of the blood. We saw a little bit about creation. Now let's go follow the blood. Can we follow the blood? Let's track the blood down. Genesis chapter 3, right there, verse 21. So after Adam sinned, look what happened in verse 21. Also for Adam and his wife Eve, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. The Amplified says long coats of skin and clothed them. Adam, when they sinned, began to cover themselves with fig leaves. God says, uh-uh. God knows what has, God understood this sin thing. And God knows. You see, God still wanted to have some amount of relationship with Adam to whatever extent he could. So what did God do? And that fig leaf was not going to do it. <laughs> Amen? So God took some animals. We don't know what kind of animal. I'm guessing it was probably a sheep or a lamb. And he killed the land animal. He covered both Adam and Eve, and the coats were long. So I don't know how many animals. But think about it for a moment. And I want you to be a little bit graphic in your thinking for the next little while, for the next 10 minutes or so. He, he, I mean, he cut that animal, opened that animal up. What do you think was dripping from the skin of that animal? Blood. And then he took that and wrapped it around Adam. So there was blood on Adam that he was covered with. Now we know that's good, looking forward to the sacrifice of Christ. But that was blood. That's the first, the first instance of blood was God killing one or more animals and clothing Adam. But it was God himself shedding blood. It is, um, and as I said, it was dripping blood. It was part of what Abraham is going to say in Genesis 22. The Lord will provide for himself a sacrifice. Remember that? All right. All right. Let's see. Say more blood. All right. Genesis chapter 4. And I'm, and I'm saying that because I want you to see. You see, like one of the things we might be able to get, get today is, is just thinking of God and, and on his mindset towards blood. God took pleasure in the shedding of blood. Now that's a very strange thing to say because our religious mindset doesn't allow us to think that way. And the only reason why the religious mindset don't allow us to think that way is because the devil's strategy of trying to undermine the blood. So that even when people have communion, they have communion with all sense of condemnation and guilt and shame and judgment and accusation. That's the devil. Anyway, we come back to that. So we have a mindset where, 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 where God saw the travail of Jesus' soul and he was satisfied. Say, God loves blood. All right, I know it sounds strange to the mind, but say it anyway. Say, God loves blood. But how could he not? This blood, every time, even though the blood of bulls and goats couldn't do it, every time that blood was shed and it might have been an atonement for a period of time, God was seeing that it's going to come. My lamb that I'm going to provide is going to go. He's going to shed his blood, and I'm going to get them back. I'm going to get the human beings back. That is the joy that was set before him. Are you with me? Can you see that? So God took me. I mean, it was like a promissory note. God got excited about it. All right. 
Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Say more blood. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now I've already said that Cain and Abel were twins. I don't know. But anyway, it doesn't change anything. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep. And Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock out of his, uh, and of its fat. And the Lord respected, accepted, and approved of Abel's offering. But he did not accept and respect Cain's offering. And his, uh, he didn't respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said, why are you angry? Why is your countenance falling? If you, if you do well, you would have been accepted. You didn't do well. You brought vegetables. Abel understood that somehow Abel understood that God took pleasure in blood and that it was a blood offering that God that was going to please God. Ready he had a revelation of the fact that blood was connected to, the, to death and the wages of sin was death? I don't know. But he had some or the other, he had that revelation. Maybe God had communicated with them. Maybe God had spoken to them. Maybe they had learned some stuff from their father, Adam. But either way, Cain did not bring the right offering. And his offering was rejected. And then what happened? He got all upset. And God says if he had brought the right offering, it would have been okay. And then he got angry and he killed his brother. Baited him out into the wilderness and killed him. And that whole killing of his brother, he was angry. Why was he angry with his brother? He was angry with his brother because God accepted blood and not vegetables. Hello? No, I say eat your veggies. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Say more blood. Now, in Genesis chapter, um, later, the flood is going to take place. Remember, there's going to be a curse on the earth, etc., etc., and, and so on. And then Genesis chapter eight, after after um, the flood came to an end, I'm just going to pick it up in verse 20. Right. So the, uh, the, the so the ark had settled down. They came out of the ark. Everything was cool, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and he took of every clean animal and every clean bird, and he offered burnt offerings on the altar. Say blood. Now watch this. And the Lord smelled. The Lord smelled a soothing aroma. God smelled something that, oh, that smelled good. I, I, I'm serious. That's what it says, isn't it, Doc? Amen. Man, I'm telling you, we'll approach the communion table differently. Hallelujah. Then the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although the imagination of man's heart is evil, etc. This offering that Noah made after the flood, so this offering of blood, so touched God's heart that God said, you know what? I curse the ground so that they were going to have difficulty to get anything out of that ground. But you know what? Just because of this offering that, uh, that Noah has found grace in the sight of the Lord, I'm going to just, I'm going to stop that curse. And I'm, and, and I'm going to lift that curse off of the earth. And furthermore, you know, he's going to make a statement and put a rainbow that I'm not, not going to do this again. I'm not going to destroy creation in that way again. All right? All right. But, it, but, you, but you see what's happening here. Amen? It was blood. Now in Genesis chapter 15, reading from verse 9, this is Abraham. Abraham was in a situation, he says, God, you know what I mean? I, uh, you know, you promised me 
you're going to bless me and increase my seed and you're going to do all this. But I don't have any offspring. I don't have any kids. What is going to happen? Is this Eleazar is going to have to be my, my one that is going to inherit? God says, no, I'm going to give you a son. And then, and then God took him to the land, and God says, come the stars, etc., etc., and, and all of that. And Abraham thought, God said, you're going to have more kids than these stars, more than the sand on the seashore. But somehow the other, that was not good enough for Abraham. So then, um, so it says, and he still said, despite all of that, he said to God in verse 8, Lord, how shall I know that I'm going to inherit all this land? How am I going to know this? People are living there. You know what I mean? How am I know I'm going to inherit all this? And God said to me, bring me a three-year-old heifer. Say heifer. Pretty big animal. A three-year-old goat. A three-year-old ram. A turtle dove. And a young pigeon. And then God told him how to cut it up, and he cut them in two. Now, stop for a moment here. This is Abraham. He's taking this big heifer. I don't think the heifer was just saying, okay, go ahead. Right? He cut this animal in half, and he, all three of these animals, and then there were some other birds and stuff, and he spread them out. And he spread them out, and even as, it, and I mean, there was blood everywhere. Do you think any of that blood got on Abraham? I was, I was, I, um, you can ask Siri, <laughs> what is the, how much blood there is in an average cow? And Siri said it's about eight to ten gallons. That's what she said. Right, she, he, whatever, whoever Siri is. <laughs> so imagine, and this is three, you imagine what blood there is here. That blood is on Abraham. That blood is on his face. That blood is all over him. And he's there. And while he is there, these vultures are coming. They see free food. They're coming to eat this stuff. And, and Abraham is shooing them off, shooing them off. And then somewhere in the midst of it all, bam, Abraham falls down in the midst of all of this blood and passes out and goes to sleep. And then God makes a covenant with him and so on and so forth. That's a very interesting thing too. The pattern of blood being shed and God making covenant. Amen? But let me fast forward. But just picture that situation. Picture the blood that was dripping. And it is that very situation that caused God to, 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 to make some other covenant connection with Abraham. And then, then again in Genesis 22. Remember when, Abraham, when God says, come, offer up your son. And Abraham went up to the mountain to offer up Isaac. But as he went up there, right, and the boy was saying, okay, daddy, I mean, you have the sticks, you have the fire, but, but where is the lamb? Where, 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 is, where is the sacrifice? And, God, and Abraham said, God will provide for himself a sacrifice. And then, of course, you know, he went, bunged the boy, and he was about to kill the boy. And the angel said, oh, stop, don't stop. Now God knows you fear him. And there was a ram that was caught in the woods. And so Abraham went, got the ram that God provided and offered up that ram. And then God says, because of what you have done, you have not withhold your son, your only son, because of that. And I'm just paraphrasing. God says, I'm not going to withhold my son either. And, for, and, 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 and there, the commitment was sealed by God. Jesus is going to go to the cross. Amen? But then again, there was blood. Now, there were occasions, and then, of course, later on, the law came in, and, and, and they were supposed to offer blood, uh, um, animal sacrifices for, for, in fact, even before that, even before the law. How about when they were coming out of Egypt? Remember that? Remember how that they had to have um, a lamb for every house? One one lamb for a house. How many houses were there? How many households were there among the Israelites in Egypt? How many would you say? Right? Some people have the figure that over a million came out of Egypt. But let's just say it was 100,000 households. Let's just say it was 100,000 households. An average of four or five a household. Half a million. Let's say it was just that. 100,000 animals being killed. Even if they're small and it is just two gallons, or if it's five gallons, let's say it was an average of five gallons. That's five gallons, a hundred thousand. That's 500 gallons of what? Blood. Blood. I don't know, but I remember this growing up and you, and you kill a chicken and the blood that, and you drain that blood that will come out of there. But we're talking about an animal. 
Look at the volume of blood that is being shed. Later on when the law was given, and even when the law was given, the Bible says that Moses, in, in, in Hebrews 10 and verse, no, Hebrews 9, I think, around verse 20, yeah, 1920, somewhere around there, how Abraham sprinkled, sorry, how Moses sprinkled the words of the book, and he sprinkled the people with blood. Can you imagine that? There was blood being sprinkled on the people. And he said, this blood has enjoined you to God. When the, when the law was given, and they had to, and they had, then do you know they really needed a whole lot of priests? For the Levitical, that's why they have to get the whole Levitical tribe. You know why? When people have, when every, when people are going to be bringing a, a a lamb to be slaughtered, all right. And you have, there were days, there were there were occasions in the Word of God where three thousand. Remember when there was a sacrifice that Solomon made for the temple, where there was much as three thousand offered on one day. Again, if you're talking about eight gallons of blood, that's 24,000. That's a lot of blood. That is blood flowing through the streets. And I mean, that must have been tiring just to cut up that animal and, 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 and drain that blood and then take that carcass and burn that That was a lot of work. You needed a lot of priests. And those priests were a mess. And I don't know if they had nice showers like we have. We have hot water and cool water. I don't know if they had all of that. Say blood. But God says this is necessary. This is necessary. And that was all a type of the cost that needed to be paid for sin. Because blood and death was the only way of man back to God, period. Amen? Now, the devil has a certain amount of knowledge, but he didn't know everything. But he knew enough so that, number one, he didn't like, when he heard about this seed of the woman, he decided any, and he, and he heard about some, some, some Moses is going to be a deliverer, he didn't like that. You know what he did? He killed piles of babies in Egypt, did he not? When Jesus was born and, the, and, the, and there was a, the word came to, was it Herod or Herod, that this baby was going to be born and going to be king, and then piles of babies were killed, and that's why um, Joseph was told to, to leave uh, and to leave with, a, with, with Mary and the baby. Why? The devil was trying to see if he could kill that seed. But then beyond that, the devil also hated blood because he, he thought that if, if he can stop this blood, then I've got a chance. Then God is not going to be able to get man back. All right? So he wanted to stop the blood. Look, turn with me to Daniel chapter 8 just to see these verses of Scripture. Amen. Daniel chapter 8. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Daniel chapter 8, verse 11 and 12. Talking about the devil. He even exalted himself as high as the prince of the host. And by him the daily sacrifices were taken away. And the place of his sanctuary was cast down. Because of transgression, an army was given over to the horn to oppose the daily sacrifices. And he cast truth down to the ground. And he's still trying to do that. Trying to destroy the truth where the blood is concerned. There is a reason why the church have got such difficulty with the revelation of righteousness. And it is because of the hindrance of the devil. But anyway, let's continue. And he did all this and he prospered. He was successful in it. Successful in what? Stopping the sacrifice. You know what he did? If you read the book of Malachi chapter 1. He corrupted the, the, the priesthood, corrupted the people. Next thing you know, 
the people were bringing an offering to God, and they were bringing a, 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 a corrupt, polluted offering. They were bringing, they were looking among their sheep, and they're looking at the sheep that they probably can't sell, the sheep that is blind, the sheep that, has a, that is missing one leg. That's, that's what they were bringing to God. And God says, you take that to your, to your, to your governors. Are they going to accept it? They want me to accept it? So God rejected their, their sacrifice. And as a result, in the book of Malachi, the sacrifice in the house of God ceased for over 400 years until the book of Matthews. Amen? Until the book of Matthews unit was activated again. And then, of course, John saw Jesus coming down one day and says, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. Amen? Jesus said, he said in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 4, that the blood of bulls and goats did not please God. It did not, it, it couldn't take away sins. And, but then it says, but a body you have prepared for me. I have come to do thy will. A body you prepared for me. Why? Because God prepared a body for Christ so he can get the blood out. Does that make sense? In the Garden of Eden, when Jesus shed, as it were, drops of blood, when Jesus was crying out, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. When Jesus, as the Son of Man, was saying, if it be possible, take this cup away from me. But the Son of God says, this is how it's got to be. And he said, Father, thy will be done. And then he took the cup. And the Bible says he went through such agony. That he began to sweat as it were. Drops of blood. The moment that blood started. Bam. Redemption came. The redemption began. And I believe in, in that moment. God said. Ah we're here. We finally. We're here. It's going to be finished. <laughs> the Bible says in Isaiah 53 and verse 10. That it pleased the father. To bruise him. And to make his soul an offering for sin. It pleased the father. Do you know what it means? It pleased them. It means it gave them pleasure. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Your faith gives God pleasure. When you believe that God is and he's rewarder, God gets happy. God gets excited. Well, it pleased the Father. He got excited. He was ecstatic over Jesus being bruised. Sometimes we think that, you know, as Jesus was being beaten and he's being bruised and he's going through all this, that the Father's thinking, oh, oh. And it was not like that. Because every blow, every punch, every whip, what God was seeing was the redemption. What God was seeing was getting the human race back, was getting you back. And God, and for the joy that was set before him, he was rejoicing. He took pleasure. He will see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. Be satisfied. He took great pleasure in, in the blood that was being shed. Why? To get man back. Because you see, Jesus was going to take that power that the devil had. He was going to take those keys of hell and death and was going to take that away from the devil so that the devil could no longer have that dominion over mankind anymore. Because Jesus would have tasted death for every man. And as a result, uh, we're going to go into that next week. As a result of Jesus taking his, going into hell, rising up, getting over his body, getting his blood, taking it to the throne room of God. What happened that when Jesus came out, when Jesus himself was born again, a whole new creation came up. And there is now a new creation. And in this new creation, the Bible says he that, it says in 1 John 3, 9, that the seed of God remains in him and he cannot sin. You don't have a sin nature in your born again being. He does not practice sin. That nature has been ripped out of the human race by the, by the sacrifice of Jesus. Hallelujah. And the devil don't have that authority anymore. And Jesus had this confidence. He said, look, this new creation, <laughs> this new creation is going to be so powerful. This new creation is going to come into the world. And the Father saw this. The Jesus had confidence 
that that day were going to be made, that the, the new creation, his church, was going to make his enemies his footstool. But the father also had a confidence. The father said, Jesus, you sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. How? Through the body, through the church, through this new creation. Amen? So, um, but here we are today. The devil hates the blood. He still hates the blood. But now the blood has been shed. What he's trying to do is undermine it by trying to see if he can steal the truth, trying to see if he can keep people with ignorant about the blood, trying to see if uh, people just go, people have communion and they do it as some ritual and not recognizing they're proclaiming the Lord's death until he come. They're not recognizing their fellowship and their participation in the body and in the blood. The enemy wants people to come to the communion table and begin to think about all of their sins, right? And feel so unworthy, so condemned that by the time they come away from that communion table, they're beaten up. That's a lie. Because the blood has been shed so that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. So that we don't have to be underneath that condemnation and that judgment that the world is under. But we are able to come, discern the Lord's body, discern the Lord's blood, and come away healed, whole, empowered, strengthened. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. The power and the authority of that blood. That blood. <laughs> and that blood, oh, I wish I could. But anyway, that blood is alive. That blood is as alive today before the throne of God. It is just as alive today as it was when it was shed. It is just as alive when Jesus sweat as it were drops of blood. The blood is just as alive as when Jesus was, was whipped and blood gushed out from his pores and from his back. The blood is just as alive. It is just as alive as when that crown of thorns without that, were, that had six inches of of, of spikes in them. When those stones went into his brow and, he, and, and our blood came down his face, the blood is just as alive as when he was pierced, when a nail went through his hands and went through, went through his hands and went through his feet. The blood is just as alive as when a spear went to, his, went to his side and water and blood gushed out. That blood is just as alive. And the Bible says that that blood speaks better things than that of Abel. That blood is absolutely alive, and that blood is full of power, is full of authority, and we haven't even yet touched on what that blood means now. And we're going to go there next week. Amen?